0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Earlier today, I spoke with Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army, and he is a military analyst. And we go to him as we watch what unfolds in Ukraine with Russia and certainly what we've watched unfold uh, in Israel because of the terrorist attack uh, by Hamas, Tony Katz, uh, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you, but I, I, I did a long interview with him, you can catch the full thing over at TonyKatz.com, I played part of it earlier, I wanted to dig into this idea, not only of tactics, but the idea of preparedness. In the end, is the United States prepared? Is the administration prepared? Now, now Major lines always creates a, a, a differential between whether or not we've got a military that can handle these things versus an administration that has a will to handle these things. Now, these are two different things. That is the way I approach it uh, a, a, as well, although I do have questions about our military. Concerning, are we are we focused on preparing them to fight or are we focused them on preparing to use the proper pronouns? Which one matters more? Uh, it's the it's the prepared to fight. Just for the record, if you have ever taken the test, it's the prepared to fight. The pronouns are meaningless, absolutely meaningless drivel, nonsense. The pronouns don't mean a thing. And then there then there are the guys who want to like like threaten you. Ah, oh, if you don't use the the proper pronoun, you better you better look out. You're in for a fight. No no no. Uh terrorists are trying to kill you. And if you were in Israel, they'd try and kill you too. If you were in Gaza, you wouldn't last, as uh, Alan Dershowitz points out, the lawyer, you wouldn't last a day. You'd be destroyed. Don't tell me about your pronouns. Your pronouns don't count. Your pronouns don't matter. Getting called the wrong pronoun isn't even a thing. <gasps> Tony. What? What? Is, is, there, is there a problem with telling the truth now? If calling you the wrong pronoun to you is equivalent to getting attacked uh, in Israel, well, you, you, you've you got yourself a thing. And that thing is you clearly need mental help. But let's bring it back to, to where we were. Let's bring it back to, to the focus of the conversation. This is about being ready. And is our military ready? So I started this conversation, Major, talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army, about tactics and asking the question, is America at war in in the Middle East? And yes, you're talking about a legal construct in terms of war, but I don't think there's any question that we're clearly now in some level of fight and some level of protection and certainly seeing American soldiers uh, being injured. Uh, I I guess where we, we go to is, Exactly when it comes to tactics, is this government, is this administration, our administration, prepared to actually engage in some level of of fight? And where do you think the Israelis go if a ground invasion will indeed come? What do you believe that leads to?
1: so the administration prepared i'm not sure i know the military is i know we've got two carrier groups there they're ready to go when the time comes um this administration kind of like the obama administration is going to do everything they can to appease the iranians that's just the results of everything that i've seen from them they if you know we've they're going to the iranians now are going to test the line in the sand that that uh, the president said about you know threatening israel we're going to find out and if they're going to continue to up the ante on some certain things. We're we're gonna see. I I think this response to Syria is m- maybe a good start on some level, but it's not like uh, it, it's not like a real true. It didn't didn't, it didn't didn't impact the Iranians on any level, frankly. So it it got their proxies. Um the the but but the issue is once Israel commits to that ground offensive and has more troops down there, they've got to watch that northern border, that northern flank. If the if Hezbollah decides to roll a hundred thousand troops across the border, they threaten Tel Aviv. They have Hundreds of thousands of rockets, they can do a lot more damage than Hamas does in the South. And now, again, Israel is faced with an existential threat. Then then there's no question U.S. forces will have to declare war against somebody because the level of military...
0: Wait, wait. wait. U.S. forces don't declare war. We both know this. I understand what you meant. Congress is going to declare war. Um, But you you, you bring up this tactical... Is the issue of a ground invasion in Gaza because of the fear of a Hezbollah retaliation to the north?
1: No, I, it overcommits, right? So you put a ground invasion, they're going to need 100,000 troops or so in the south, likely mostly the active duty forces that are there. The um, you know the Gavat Brigade, there, there's brigades down there that have been focusing on this for years. Um, but uh, they, they still have to keep their eye. The Galani Brigade, for example, in the north, they're not leaving the Golan Heights. They're not going to leave that area there. They have, to, they have to maintain 360 security within their country. So they'll commit a major offensive operation in the south while potentially thwarting another invasion that could happen to the north. It's the it's, it's nightmare scenario. You know, If the Arab countries decided to get together back in the 70s, if, the, if countries got together, the Egyptians, the Syrians, the Jordanians, if they decided to master forces, Israel was in big trouble back then. Now, these are not nation states. They're, they're terrorist groups and proxy armies and proxy militias. So the, the world's different, uh, but they still have capacity.
0: Is there anything that shows you that aside from the United States, other nations getting involved?
1: Not not yet. Um, I would think other countries who had their citizens as hostages would be outraged. Um, we've seen this, uh, you know, the the the, the, uh, the virtue signaling from the French and from some of the European countries that, that you know, that try to get, you know, want to try to thread the needle on this. But it's going to take a Saudi Arabia. It's going to take a cutter. A, a it's going to take an, another country to really come down on the side, support Israel uh, maybe even the Jordanians, if that's possible, as a neighbor. Um, it's going to take that. And until that happens, until Israel has a Middle Eastern ally, the the, 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 the Iranians are going to go for the lather, rinse, repeat on Israel. Um, but Israel, again, is not putting up with it this time.
0: So. Not putting up with it this time is something that you, you've said before. I'm now circling back to that. If they have to worry about what happens in Gaza because they might have an offensive on the northern border that doesn't well comport with the idea of the israelis aren't going to take this anymore are they committed based on your knowledge base based on your contacts are they committed to a war on multiple fronts including having to deal with iran from drones or or in other ways missiles uh, coming uh, from tehran if you will are they committed to fighting this on three fronts. Does Israel see this not just as the existential threat? We hear that expression all the time. Do they see this as the make or be destroyed moment in their history?
1: Yeah, I do. I think so. I and mean, People I've talked to say the same thing. They, in the fourth front, would be that over the horizon into Iran. They'll go after their uh, industrial capability. Uh, they'll go after military targets. They'll go after their equivalent of the Pentagon, for example, their Defense Department. They'll go after... Their Navy, again, their Navy will be in the bottom of the Persian Gulf within 48 hours. Um, and I think that's why Iran, you know, they're going to press as far hard as they can. But if they go too far, um, they're, they're going to get in trouble. The Israelis are known for preemptive attacks. They did it in Osirik in 1981 when they destroyed the Iraqi nuclear capability. They've done it in Syria. Um, it was just a matter of time. We've talked that if they thought that the Iranians had nuclear capability, because if the Iranians had nuclear capability at this point in time, which, you know, maybe they do, maybe they will strike, who knows. But if they if they thought they did, they had it, they would go after it preemptively. They're not going to let them have it, which is, you know, we're acting different also in this theater because there's no other nuclear player involved. And I think that's that's a big factor in terms of our behavior. You know, we we act differently in, in Ukraine because you've got Russia potentially escalating to a nuclear capability that could destroy, you know, still destroy Western Europe. In this case, no nuclear power, so we can be, we can talk a bigger game here, and I think that's also part of what the administration's doing.
0: Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army. Always appreciate the chance to talk to him. The full interview is available at TonyKatz.com. I don't want to be at war, but I think that a couple things have to get solved, meaning this appeasement of Iran, going back to the Obama administration, has failed. And all of those Ben Rhodes types and everyone else, Valerie Jarrett, Susan Rice, who told us this could work, this can't work, that's the end of the conversation. Now we have to deal with it. And for all of the liberal Jews out there, you were wrong. That's all. Don't get angry about it accept it. Now let's fix it. If you're still not willing to fix it, well, congratulations. You're trying to get yourself killed. I said it. I meant it. And I would be fine with you hurting yourself if that's really what it takes for you to learn. The problem is me and my kids, we're going to be in that crossfire. So I simply can't let you learn your lesson. I got to step in. We have to step in because our kids are going to get hurt. And it's not just liberal Jews, it's progressives in general. You cannot create a deal with Iran. It cannot be done. Grow up. Grow up. You were wrong. You were always wrong. We told you you were wrong. You told us we were warmongers. Here we are today. Iran is the enemy of free and thinking people. The Ayatollah is. Hamas is a terrorist organization. They're responsible. They're guilty and every bit of pain and anguish would stop stop if Hamas just turned themselves in and gave up the hostages if they just stopped killing Jews if they just quit people of Gaza would have a much better life nothing would be perfect they can't say all the pain and anguish nothing would be perfect but be so much better for them so much better for Israelis so much better for the region so much better for the world but nope Hamas still exists Therefore, Hamas has to go, and I was very happy to hear Major Lyons continue that point that in his view, in his conversations, Israel's had enough. We're done here, which is exactly where we should be, done here. Well, some people are trying to do something to help those who are trying to make this done. One of those people is Dr. Lou Profeta, an emergency room doctor here in Indianapolis and a friend of mine who is leaving for Israel to train other doctors. That story up next. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. Dr. Louis Profeta is an emergency room doctor in Indianapolis, and he's a friend. He has been uh, for a while. He and his family, me and my family, dinners together, holidays together, cigars together. Okay, not the family, maybe just us, uh, but on a regular basis. I've been in his home. He has been in mind. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. He is heading to Israel where he will be stationed six miles from the Lebanese border where he will be training doctors in Israel on ER techniques and trauma techniques to get them better, to help save more lives when soldiers and others are injured in the shelling that will come from Hezbollah and already is coming from Hezbollah. In this war where Hamas attacked Israelis, murdering 1400, a terrorist organization is Hamas. What else do you expect? He has good life. And he is getting on a plane. I, 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 I packed him full of cigars. Um... Everybody gave him something he might be able to use. And he's going. He's going to Israel to help in this fight. As I've said before, and I'll say again, if I thought broadcasting from Israel would, would help, I, I would go do it. But being an ER doctor is very, very helpful. So I spoke to him earlier and I asked him,
2: why are you going? Uh, well, Tony, I mean, I'm a Jew. Just like you, I mean, I'm Jewish. Uh, I mean that's what we do I mean it's I mean, it's Israel um, and it's the right thing to do. I mean my you know uh, I'm, it's the right thing to do
0: so when you reached out, there was a a call from Israel about we need we need this assistance, we need this help and while a lot of doctors, thousands of doctors across the United States signed up, the need is more specific uh, as an ER doctor, what are you bringing? Uh, to israel to teach these younger doctors there uh when you when you arrive tomorrow
2: well i'll tell you israel doesn't have the same type of emergency departments that we that we have they're a little more sub-specialized so if you go there with a broken ankle you go to the orthopedic section of the er if you go there pediatric case you go to the pediatric side so they're a little more subsegmented. They're just sort of bringing the American and Canadian version of the emergency department. But as far as mass casualty, I mean, they are heads and tails above us. I mean, that, you, there's so much to learn there. But so many of the doctors um, that have been in the hospital, have been called to the front, have been called uh, in support roles with the military, and that includes a lot of the resident physicians and um, you know a lot of your nurses and people that have that play dual roles within the military. So we're, we're sort of backfilling that deficiency of people um, within the department. And you have a lot of young medical students, a lot of young residents that are going to emergency medicine. We're going to try to teach them, you know, chest tubes and how to do and and how to stop bleeding and, you know, bleeding control and getting IV access and doing bedside ultrasound and things like that and, you know, try to help. And then obviously they're going to have a lot of casualties, and we're just going to be another another body there to help out.
0: Talking to Dr. Lewis Profeta, ER doctor in Indianapolis, will be heading out to Israel tomorrow uh, to help train doctors and save lives uh, during during this war. Um, there will be people who t- will tell you, hey, uh, being Jewish is one thing, but going to a war zone is something uh, completely different. As I told you just uh, last night, if I thought broadcasting from Israel would save lives, I would be there. But that doesn't <laughs> seem to be the way uh, that, that it works. What have they told you to expect being six miles from the Lebanese border?
2: Well, I mean I mean, it's the first job I've ever gone to where I've got a primer on what to do when missiles come in and how to seek shelter in a bunker and how to lay down in a ditch and how to get out of a car to keep the car from exploding next to ya. Um, you know, what to you know, why not to be standing up and the shrapnel can penetrate from, you know hundreds of yards away i mean i've never had to uh look at uh, a primer to go to anderson indiana or kokomo or rushville or anything like that so i mean that's obviously a unique situation and i mean that that's the stuff it's it's that sort of fear of dying and you know you ask why you know why me you know a lot of doctors have have, have applied but you know but as i tell, told my son and i mean you know my boys my boys are grown up they're men and my kids are grown so um, a lot of our doctors that volunteer out there have have small kids. So I'm older, you know. My biggest fear is I'm not in shape anymore. I don't think I can run away as fast as I used to be able to. <laughs> so,
0: well, uh, I don't know. Maybe do a burpee today. Just get yourself <laughs> get yourself ready to go. Yeah. I think I think maybe it. Uh, but it, you know, the the, the idea of um, older, my kids are grown. That's an argument of. I can afford uh, to to do this. Um, but one could argue that uh, you're, you're still putting yourself into harm's way. And, and I think that there are a tremendous number of people throughout Indianapolis, never mind throughout the country, who don't uh, maybe understand the concepts of connection. Describe your view of your connection to Israel.
2: Well, uh, again, I mean, you're you're sort of this is sort of drilled in your head from the early times when you grow up, you know, first and second generation, and you're older like me, where your grandparents or people that you know were in Auschwitz, were in Treblinka and Dachau and and Mauthausen and other concentration camps, and you saw that the state of Israel came out of the ashes of the worst crime in human history. And that has sort of been as part of your psyche and it's the only safe place now for Jews. I mean, look what's going around, going on in America right now, Tony. I mean, you and I have, have talked about this on college campuses and, and, uh, you know, the graffiti and, and uh, I've never seen anything like this. And it's, it's like nothing that we have ever experienced in our lifetimes. And, you know, Israel is there to protect us. And it, it, we have to keep it. We have to keep it safe. And that, and, and as far as putting people in harm's way, come on, Tony. I mean, the police officers here in Indiana uh, do that. I mean, every person who joins the military does that. This isn't the only situation where somebody like me has put themselves in the harm way for for a greater good. I mean, it's done every day on, in the cities of, of our own town.
0: That's Doctor Lewis Profeta. He will be on his way to Israel in just a, a few hours from from this this Friday and uh, it's it's got to be uh, daunting. It's got to be frightening but you you have no concept of the, the, the thousands of people who have signed up and said I'm, I'm willing to help I'm willing to go I'm willing uh, to do some skills are needed some skills are are, are, are not. And to the extent of of that feel, look, I never doubt that I'm an American. Never once. Never, ever. Does Israel matter? It does. It, It does matter. It's survival matters. And I want that for my kids and for my grandkids. I can't be the guy who lets Israel fall apart on my watch. And Dr. Luperfetta feels the same exact way. And so off he goes. And when he's back, we will have the full debrief. Every last bit of it, I will bring it to you. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today. Find everything at tonykatz.com. For many, many years, I've been using a, a, a line a theory, however you want to refer to it. Uh, the left always overplays their hand, no matter what the subject. Even when they might actually be right, even when they might be able to convince you, they overplay their hand. They always go to such a level of extreme that it—it's—it—it's it, it, not credulity. That's not the word I'm looking for. It's bat crap crazy. It's just nuts and they lose whatever advantage and they lose whatever goodwill has been created. Now, luckily for them, since they own and control media, it doesn't often affect them overwhelmingly, but it affects them enough for people certainly like you and me and certainly like independents and moderates to dismiss them. But what happens when they go the other way with something? What happens when they decide that just because they don't agree with you, you're MAGA, you're an extremist uh you're 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 taking away women's rights do those things when they go over the edge do they actually work to a positive with independents and moderates and one would one would assume that they believe that it does because if it didn't why would they keep doing it tony Katz, tony Katz today find everything going on at tonycats.com find it all at tonycats.com uh, and don't forget the debate party november 8th Follow me at TonyCats.com. Be able to secure your spot, the cigars, the bourbon, the debate. It's on me and Americans for Prosperity, my sponsor there, AmericansForProsperity.org. Ed Morrissey joins me right now. He is the capo de tutti capo over at HotAir.com. You should check out his work uh, over there and, of course, uh, his book, Going Red, which is about how you win a- elections. Uh, I, I I didn't... I didn't want to dig in on check out this video, check out this story, check out this other thing. I wanted to dig in on what the political left is doing to Speaker Mike Johnson. Now, now whatever we think about the election of Speaker, we can get into that, Ed. Uh, but it was less than 24 hours since Mike Johnson of Louisiana gets the unanimous vote from Republicans, which nobody, like the Spanish Inquisition, nobody expected on any single level. And it was less than 24 hours before you you literally had the talking points disseminated amongst the usual suspects of Adam Shipp and Ayanna Presley and all the rest, and it was all about uh, the, 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 the tearing down. Was the left not prepared for the right to actually vote for him, or did the left really have to do research because they didn't know that much about him?
3: Well, Tony, it might be a little bit of both. I mean, I'm not sure that anybody had Mike Johnson on their scorecard as the potential you know, um, winner of, you know, House Republican Survivor Edition, right? I mean, I I don't think anybody would have picked Mike Johnson as the guy who would come out on top in this thing. I think that they're probably more prepared for Jordan. They're probably more prepared for Tom Emmer, for that matter. It's certainly Steve Scalise, because Steve Scalise is, was, had been the number two guy uh, in the Republican leadership hierarchy in the House. So, yeah, I think it may have caught them by surprise, and they may have had to go back and do a little digging Uh, same thing is true for the media. I think that they were kind of caught by surprise. And one of the reasons why Mike Johnson probably got unanimous um, consent or unanimous support for this position is because he hasn't been a leadership guy. He hasn't been on those types of front lines. And so he hasn't had the opportunity to get crosswise with any of the factions within the Republican conference. So all of that is sort of like having a It's kind of like a dark horse candidate would be in a presidential race and people don't really vet them too much. And all of a sudden they pop out uh, at the very end and end up winning the whole thing, Um, especially if they're coming from what's seen as outside. And I think in terms of leadership anyway, Johnson was an outsider who um, was able to convince everyone that he would at least give them a fresh start. Plus, I think after three weeks, everybody was just tired of it and wanted wanted to get it over with. I, I, look, I I
0: like Mike Johnson. I've been talking about Mike Johnson as, as, as a possibility. And certainly timing has a lot to do with everything. And, and while there are people who are thrilled with Mike Johnson, there's also a situation that is very real that this party had had enough. They had to come to I, grips with someone might as well. Uh, be be uh, Mike Johnson. Uh, never mind the back and forth of all of you who doubted Matt Gates's plan. See, see, we told you. Wait, you told us Jim Jordan. You told us Jim Jordan was the was the plan, but well, there was no plan, and that's another debate sure. for yeah. another day. This is about the attack mechanism. Uh, Mike Johnson's response to Sean Hannity last night was, "Give me a chance." But that's not what the political left does. Uh, The the alternative effect from trying to convince people that Mike Johnson is a bad guy is the left showing that they aren't even interested in trying to figure out how to govern together. All they want to do is be on the 24-7 attack, which was most seen from Hakeem Jeffries before introducing Mike Johnson as the winner. It was a disgusting display.
3: Yeah, it was really classless. That, that was a really classless moment that 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 was an opportunity to try to rebuild some bridges. Mike Johnson. I mean, the same thing is true of Mike Johnson With in terms of the relation to House Democrats and, and as it was House Republicans. Mike Johnson hadn't done anything to alienate anybody, which is one of the reasons why he ended up getting, again, unanimous support from uh, the House Republicans in that election. So it was an opportunity, I think, to reset a little bit and then offer an olive branch or two, to see if they could actually get a few things done in this session. Which is going to be very, very difficult. It's going to be very, very difficult for anything to get done because the narrow majority that Johnson has, and let's not forget that House Republicans are now trying to kick out one of their own, George Santos, which means that the you know it's going to be a slightly narrower and majority. They might not be wrong in, in kicking oh, out George Santos. Like I think they're on the side of the angels here, Tony, on, on that. I'm just saying, though, the outcome of this is that the, it's going to get slightly narrower, that, uh, that margin of error.
0: But I want, to uh, share, I want to share with you, this was the Democratic leader, Hakeem Jeffries, on the day Mike Johnson got
1: elected. We faced adversity on September 11th, 2001, when the towers and the Pentagon were unexpectedly struck, killing thousands of lives in an instant. We faced adversity right here in the House of Representatives when on January 6, 2021, a violent mob of insurrectionists incited by some in this chamber overran the House floor as part of an effort to halt the peaceful transfer of power.
0: This is exactly what I'm talking about, Ed, talking to Ed Morrissey of HotAir.com. The left always overplays their hand. None of this was necessary. Never mind that they want to keep talking about January 6th, but comparing it to September 11th in the same breath is an insane thought. Does this do damage to them with independents and moderates who they may very well need on election day, whether it be House races or
3: presidential? I actually think that nothing that's happened over the last three weeks is really going to have much of an electoral impact. By actually getting the house back in order, and you know, it this is going to be a blip, and I, I will I will relate it to this. Um, when uh, Ted Cruz, you know, did the government shutdown in October 2013 <clears throat> over um, over uh, Obamacare and some and other issues, uh, the uh, th- that was supposedly going to be the end of the Republican chances in 2014. Because of the disruption, because it wasn't really over anything all that, uh, it wasn't over anything that was going to be substantive enough to explain it, and it also stepped all over the failure, the, the disastrous, catastrophic rollout of Obamacare. Remember when the the you know, all the all the uh, websites <laughs> crashed, nobody could sign up. I mean, and it 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 allowed the media to shift to divert attention from that catastrophe onto, oh, it's a government shutdown. It's awful. And people were saying, oh, we've screwed this up. You know, the Republicans have screwed this up. Well, 13 months later, I mean, the timing is almost exactly the same. 13 months later, Republicans won. I think they flipped eight or 19. I think they flipped eight and almost got nine um, in, in the following election. I, I, I see these as blips. I don't think that what Hakeem Jeffrey said on the, on, the, on the floor of the, uh, of the House is going to have anything. I don't think anybody cares. People see this as Beltway nonsense. They, they don't care. They don't care that Jamal Bowman, uh, you know, basically did his own little one person inter- insurrection by setting off a fire alarm. I mean, some of us care and we've talked about it. And we want to see him uh, treated the same way as some of the nonviolent J six people. But in the end, nobody's going to base their vote on that. Well, I do. Well, I think the left has, an, has another issue coming into this, which is what's going on in college campuses over the last two weeks. Um, with the left coming out full throat in support of Hamas. That, I think, is a bigger issue to them than anything that Hakeem Jeffries is saying on the floor of the House th- th- this week. I, I It's not that I don't want to get
0: into the, the conversation about the right, yeah. full embrace of anti-Semitism. Uh, and when I say that, I do mean it because they won't excoriate members of their own party, whether it be Ilhan Omar or Rashida Tlaib. And I'm not one of these people who wants to see censure of Rashida Tlaib. I want expulsion. I am very clear. I, I will apologize to no one for it. But I want to go back to whether or not this has an effect. I do not disagree that maybe this speaker battle doesn't have an effect. But what you heard from Akeem Jeffries is what you hear from the political left and have for the last three years. And you will going into the presidential election. They must believe that it resonates. In my own Indianapolis, there's a mayor's race. It's happening just in a couple of weeks. And the Democrat, the incumbent who's been there for eight years, who's running for a third term, his name is Joe Hogsett, is running ads against the Republican, Jefferson Shreve, tying him to the NRA and Donald Trump. That's the entire campaign. They believe this works. The question is,
3: based on your uh, assessment as you're watching things, does it? Well, I think it did in 2022. I mean, really, honestly, Republicans underperformed in 2022, in large part because Republicans allowed Democrats to make it about 2020. And not just allowed dem- Democrats to make it about 2020, a number of the Republican candidates were making it about 2020. And I think that plus being unprepared to discuss abortion in a contentious political climate uh, created an underperformance issue, which is the reason why you know, Kevin McCarthy only had a five vote margin all year long. And now Mike Johnson may end up with only a four vote margin going forward. Um, so yes, I think, I think they feel it works. And I think they think, I, I think that they believe it did work last year in the midterms. And I mean, this is, you know, political battles are often like, um, are often like war battles. You, you keep using the same strategy until it actually fails. <laughs> and you go looking for another strategy, um, they see the, um, the, the MAGA Donald Trump thing as a successful strategy against Republicans. I'm not even sure that they're wrong about that, but they're not going to stop using that until it actually fails for them. Talking to Ed um, Morrissey of hotair.com. Um, so now you, 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 you've got
0: Speaker Mike Johnson, which for the record, I'm more than fine with. Me too. No, no issue there at, at, at all. Can he lead and will the GOP
3: follow? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. It really is. I don't know. I mean, it really depends on the decisions that are going to have to be made because I mean, the issue here, nothing's really changed other than the name on over the uh, over the uh, speaker of the house office. You still have a 5-vote margin in the house. Democrats still control the Senate. Democrats still control the White House. You can't dictate outcomes from the house. If you had a 50-vote margin, or a hundred vote margin in the House, possibly. But if you've gotten that kind of a margin, you probably have control of the Senate as well. Um, and Republicans had an opportunity to gain control of the Senate. And they blew that in the last um, they blew that in the midterms. So as a result, you can you can negotiate, you've got some leverage to negotiate on things like budgets and that sort of thing. But I don't think that they're gonna get any outcome that's substantially different than that they were gonna get a month ago based on who was in leadership. You still have to deal with all the same headwinds that Kevin McCarthy's, uh, uh, did. I will say this though. Um, first off, there's been signals from the Freedom Caucus that they were going to be a little bit more, uh, generous with Johnson than they were with McCarthy, because I think they just didn't like McCarthy. This really, I think is more, mostly a personality issue, right? right? They like Johnson. And I think that they're willing to go with Johnson. So I think that the Republican cohesion may be better. Um, after this point it has been a problem all year long and maybe it's a little bit better after this however i will also say this kevin mccarthy was a fundraising phenomenon tom emmer was a recruitment phenomenon they did a great job in those roles and that's really the biggest two roles that those guys that, that, that the speaker of the house leadership and leadership right um I think the real issue isn't going to be Republican cohesion. I think they're basically throwing in with Johnson and saying, this is it. We're just going to do this the rest of the, uh, the rest of the session. I think the bigger issue is can Johnson step up and fill the gaps that they have created by pushing McCarthy out of leadership and, um, and forcing Emmer to go back to just being a whip that um, we'll see. He may end up being a dynamo in those areas, but those are the areas that he's going to have to prove himself in. And if he doesn't, then I think the question won't be so much this session of Congress, but what happens in the next session of Congress, what happens in the next election?
0: So that brings us to what's what is first for the Republicans? What will show this faction, that faction, the other faction, uh, America that, oh, oh, these people can actually do the job?
3: What's first in your view should be for the Republicans? No omnibus bills. That's the first thing. No omnibus bills. And and bear in mind, McCarthy was saying no omnibus bills either. He was trying to do CRs to extend the time so that they could get the individual appropriation bills through uh, through Congress uh, based on the previous agreement that was made on um, on the budget levels. But um, but that's that's got to be the bottom line. Nobody wants omnibus bills. Nobody wants um, nobody wants that type of um, process. And so if they can do, you know, if they do a CR to January 15th or April 15th, uh, but they do still get the 12 appropriation bills as as part of the regular order that we do, uh, that is supposed to be normal budgeting, then I think that that's a win for Republicans. And I think that uh, it will satisfy all of the different factions. But if, if somebody floats an omnibus and it gets by on Democrat votes, man katie bar the door because it's going to get bloody in the next leadership conference
0: and that's the truth ed morrissey hot always appreciate you Hotair.com. check out ed morrissey more is coming up i'm tony katz seriously no joke uh to quote joe biden The Debate Party. If you're in Indianapolis, come join us. It's myself. It's Americans for Prosperity bringing you the whole thing. November 8th. I can't tell you where. You got to actually go check out the website. If you go to TonyKatz.com, you'll be able to find it. Also, I was told you can go to, do I have this right? CigarsAndDebate.com. Cigarsanddebate.com And you can sign up right there So go to tonycats.com Or go to Cigarsanddebate.com And get your spot uh, The old fashioned, the cigar uh, We'll be engaging the commentary It's going to be a good time Because you know the debate could be a total cluster, right? It could be a total, total cluster It's going to be on NBC Isn't that, isn't that nice? Isn't that, isn't that just sweet? I will see you there if you're in Indianapolis. Come on out. Find everything at tonycats.com. Tonycats.com. Monday, everyone. Take care.